Hi everyone, thanks for joining me again for another edition of Tales from a Very Minor Celebrity. A look back at my life in the media, specifically radio and TV, and the many celebrities and famous people I've interviewed and the adventures I've had during that time. And continue to do so. I still work in radio as a freelance roving reporter for a radio station based in Colchester, which is a newly created city in the UK for anyone listening from another country. And there are loads of you. Always really amazes me how many people from different countries love listening to my stories. So thank you all very, very much. Uh, Please excuse the voice. It may sound a bit croaky this week. I'm just getting over COVID. Yep, it finally caught up with me after nearly two years. Um, But I think I'm over the worst of it. I'm fully vaccinated, which I'm sure really helped. But I've still got this lingering croaky voice and a slightly sore throat as well. So uh, if I do sound a bit sexier than usual, (laughs) that's the reason. Now this week, two very different interviews. Coming up a little later, we'll be hearing a chat I had with Steve Hackett, who gained prominence as the lead guitarist of Genesis before leaving to pursue a solo career. But first, let me take you back to the year 2005. This young band called McFly are at the height of their popularity. They formed in 2003, signed to Island Records in 2004 and won a Brit for the Best British Pop Act in 2005. They were on the road promoting their new album called Wonderland and as a few of the band were from the county of Essex, they thought it would be nice to include their old neighbourhood in the tour and do a record signing event at a small independent record shop near their childhood homes. As I was working for an Essex radio station at the time, I was dispatched to grab a few words with the lads and a few of their adoring fans as well. Now, this was my first experience of fan mania, and to be honest, it all came as a bit of a shock when I arrived and was given a police escort into the back of the record shop as over 3,000 screaming, mostly young female fans were also trying to beat the very long queue and gain access to meet their idols. Anyway, this is what happened when I met McFly and a few of their very subdued fans. Tom, how are you finding today? It's uh, it's going very well there. The fans are really cool. They're all nuts. But no, it's all wicked. They're down here, aren't they? <laughs> they are. They're absolutely mad. No, it's brilliant though. It's absolutely brilliant. We're having a wicked time and everyone seems to be enjoying themselves. And uh, we'll just say, you know, this is part of your everyday job, really. You must get used to this sort of thing. Yeah, well, my, my hand's starting to ache now. I think we've got quite a long way to go. But no, it's good fun, you know. It's a great chance for us to meet all the fans. Which we, you know, we don't get to do that often, so it's good fun for us. And we've got our two Essex boys on our right here. I'm Dougie. Good to be back. Yeah, I went past the KFC that I, uh, that I used to go to. Yeah? Yeah, it's fun. And what's it like, you know, with all these fans coming to meet you? It must give you a great feeling. Uh, it's kind of weird. It kind of freaks me out a bit. But, uh, yeah, it's cool. And how many uh, CDs do you reckon you've signed? Um, not as many as we've done before. We did like 500 in, in 35 minutes before. That was quite impressive. Harry. Harry. Hello. Also from Essex. I am, yes. Having a good time? Very good time, thank you, yes. Signing lots of CDs for your fans. Um, tell us about the film that you're going to be appearing into. It's out next year in March. It's with Lindsay Lohan. Uh, and no, it's not with Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's, uh, yeah, it's coming out next year, so uh, check it out. should be pretty cool. And the whole Hollywood experience, how did you find it? 
yeah, pretty frightening, but it was uh, it was really real good experience, and uh, we really enjoyed ourselves. Doesn't uh, compare coming to Wickford, though, I'm yeah, sure. Wickford is the Hollywood of Essex. So. Brilliant. Listen, guys, thanks very much. I'm just going to quickly try and uh, talk to some of the fans who have been uh, meeting their idols. I'm just going to squeeze through. Hello. Absolutely. I think that. I think that. Hi. What's your name? Hannah. You're just about to meet your your idols. What are you going to say to them? How long have you been queuing? Oh, about two hours. Oh, well, you're nearly there. Go on. You you push past and go and see them. <laughs> From a very very noisy Adrian's Record Store here in Wickford. It's back to you in the studio. McFly. And I don't think I'll ever experience that level of hysteria again. It, it really was quite something. Now, Steve Hackett, lead guitarist of Genesis from 1971 to 1977. He contributed to six Genesis studio albums, three live albums and seven singles before leaving to pursue a solo career. And he was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as a member of Genesis back in 2010. Hackett released his first solo album, Voyage of the Acolyte, while still a member of Genesis in 1975. After a series of further solo albums, albums beginning in 1978, Hackett co-founded the supergroup GTR with Steve Howe in 1986. The group released the self-titled album GTR, which peaked at number 11 on the Billboard 200 in the United States and spawned the top 20 single When the Heart Rules the Mind. When Hackett left GTR in 1987, the group disbanded. Hackett then resumed his solo career and has released albums and toured worldwide on a regular basis ever since. Hackett's body of work encompasses many styles. In addition to his work in progressive rock, he's explored pop, blues, world music and classical music on his solo recordings. According to Guitar World, Hackett's early explorations of two-handed tapping and sweep picking were far ahead of their time and influenced Eddie Van Halen and Brian May, to name but two. I chatted with him in mid-2000 when he was promoting his latest album and he started by telling me about growing up surrounded by a family of musicians. I kind of grew up in a musical household. My my brother played, my father played, I think even my grandfather played. and So there is some history there. I used to play harmonica as, as, a, as yeah. a little kid. So yeah. um, you know, I had very early introduction to music. I mean, I was playing music before I could read. I think you sum this album up quite nicely when you say it's a, a promenade through the seasons, happy happy memories of free concerts in the 60s. I remember there was a lot of free music in, in, uh, in Hyde Park at the time and you could go and see Pink Floyd, Jethro Tull and it was, all, it was all a freebie and it was just a few people sitting around on the grass listening to these uh, guys playing very, very well indeed. You know, no one was really worrying too much about... Uh, their hairdo or their latest video <laughs> or oh my god you know i've got the wrong earring on you know um and in fact genesis when i joined them everyone seemed to be dressed like um extras from doctor doctor who you know everyone had this, these long overcoats and woolly scarves and and that was it and and the most anyone had it was very very fashionable it would be some second-hand moth-eaten fur jacket they got them down portobello road so um 
I'm talking about the hippie era. And then the, you put that uh, that famous ad in Melody Maker. Oh, yes. Which uh, yeah, yeah. just sort of changed your life, I suppose. It did, yeah. Guitarist, writer, six receptive musicians determined to st- strive beyond existing stagnant music forms. Yeah, you know, I think I was looking for fellow eccentrics by then. I mean, the ads in the back of Melody Maker that used to exist at that time, if anyone remembers Melody Maker, and, and they should, because yeah. it formed the backbone of, of uh, British rock as we... As we know it, um, so many bands formed off the back pages there. Um, you would see guys like, you know, I'm an oboist, equally taken with Prokofiev and Pink Floyd. <laughs> and so you get an idea that, yeah, you know, maybe this guy here is, um, he's as screwy as I am. He likes classical music and he likes rock and pop. And um, and maybe the two can, can uh, speak to each other. Mm. The ad was answered by Peter Gabriel. You went on to um, to join Genesis, and a lot of people yeah. say it was the definitive lineup, and still say that, don't they? Well, people are very kind about that and say, you know, when it was a, a five-piece, it was at its best. It was certainly at its most varied at that point. Yeah. Um, whether it sold as many albums or not, um, I don't know. I, only the long term will will, will prove that. Um, and the later albums, although they tended to sell more in the in the short term, in the long term it tends to be the older albums that um, people still go out and buy because I can suddenly find myself in a remote region in in Brazil sometimes and wander into a local record shop and uh, beneath the coconut palms and the what's-it trees, you know, I, it'll be, they'll have a copy of the 1971 album that I made with the band Nursery Crime and they won't have all the others. So, yeah. But, you know, I have happy memories of it. It was, um, it was a great time. It was a great time to learn. It was a great time to be involved in music. The band was allowed to go its own sweet way, you know, album after album. Nobody was breathing down an neck saying, mm. oh, can't hear a hit single here, guys. Yeah. It didn't really matter. Uh, radio and, and, and record sales, you, you know, you didn't really... It, would, it was great if you had the media behind you and you got the occasional radio play, but it wasn't based on that. And in the end, we managed to sell out you know, three nights Earl's Court without a single hit single. I mean, albums reigned supreme then. You obviously uh, live quite a nice lifestyle these days. Um, what what yeah. sort of, um, I don't know, luxuries do you do you allow yourself? You know, is there anything? You know, a lot of uh, musicians, I suppose, spend their money on cars and and that sort of thing. What what sort yeah, of luxuries I, do you enjoy? Well, I suppose I'm quite frugal in that way. Um, I don't buy lots of cars, and um, I basically my luxury is making albums. I mean, that might sound strange, but as I say, you know, I made my hobby my living. And I think to myself, yes, I might be able to afford a a such, a such and such car, but then, hang on a minute, yeah, but if I save my my pennies, maybe I can afford an orchestra on the next uh, album. Really? And, um, yeah. I, I guess it really goes into that. Do you have houses all over the world? I'll, I'll be honest. I'm married to a Brazilian lady. We have a flat in Brazil, as well as a house in um, in London. But um, uh, I rarely ever get to travel there. I'm I'm usually so busy. Uh, the other Genesis guys, do you still keep in contact? Yes, we do. Yeah, I saw Tony recently. He came to. Um, into a party. I went to a show of Pete Gabriel's in Brighton. Uh, and how many times a year do the money men ask you to reform? Well, I was talking about that th- this very day, and I've always been open about it and said that, uh, you know, if any of the guys want to do that, um, you know, fine, you know. Um, you know, it, it might be very difficult to do. Everyone's uh, changed so much since we all worked together. Would it need to be an extravagance? Could, could it be bankrolled? Um, I like to think that it'll happen one day, even if it's just for a gig, it would be nice. But um, I doubt that we'd all sort of trot off into the sunset 
together with a hearty ho at higher silver. But if someone manages to organise it, then uh, good luck to them. Steve Hackett there. Incidentally, I only ever saw Genesis live once. It was back in July 1987, four days before my birthday, and in the audience was the late Diana Princess of Wales, along with Prince Charles. And I will always remember the occasion because, well, for one, it was a great concert. Wembley Stadium is also a great venue. It was open air. It was warm. The sun was shining. It was just brilliant. And also for the fact that Diana waved at me. Yes, well, I think she did anyway. I happened to be looking up in her direction and I waved at her and I swear she waved back and not one of the other tens of thousands of people around me. Now, next week, another musical great, this time the late Natalie Cole, whose father, of course, was Nat King Cole. Would he have uh, preferred you to go into the medical field? or I'm, I'm sure you know he, he was very proud of your success, but mm. in the early days, would he have preferred you to take up that career in, in medicine? I don't know. I really don't know. It's hard to say. I kind of feel like he would be extremely thrilled to know that I actually did follow in his footsteps. That's Natalie Cole, and there'll be another surprise guest as well next week on Tales from a Very Minor Celebrity. Mm-hmm.